Welcome to Sticky Standards, and this is episode number 28. Sticky Standards. Professional learning that sticks. Welcome to Sticky Standards. Again, this is Dana Richardson. And I am so uh, happy to moderate this great conversation. Today we have a very special guest. Actually, Fred is one of my heroes from Learning Forward. So, Hero, uh, hero tell us a little bit about Fred and uh, what brings you to Learning Forward today. How exciting to be your hero. Uh, you are. The many. So, what an honor uh, that is. Uh, this is uh, Frederick Brown, Deputy Executive Director with Learning Forward. Very happy to be uh, in this conversation, uh, Sticky Standards, and looking forward to uh, just going deeper into a conversation about the role of leaders. And I'll just say very quickly, uh, I come to this conversation as a former teacher and principal and someone who's thought a lot about how do we support principals in doing the important work of creating effective teaching and learning in their schools. So I am looking forward to today's conversation. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm excited to, uh, I live with the former principals, so I always have a, a great affinity for what you all do and what you've done. So as we look at the standard of leadership, we know that there's three components of that, but what the first one is that developing capacity for learning and leading, and then, you know, creating those systems. So as you've been working with many districts, many principals uh, across our country, what do you see as the role of principals in bringing the standards to life in a school? It's a, it's a great question, and it's certainly uh, something that leaders are thinking about all the time. Thinking about how do we bring the standards to life, which is just part of this broader conversation about how do you create the most effective teaching and learning environments uh, in your schools that will really lead to increased student success. And, you know, the one quote uh, that we reference a lot, uh, which is leadership among all school-related factors, leadership second only to classroom instruction mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to how well our students do. And we know that in a school where there isn't a, an effective leader, you might see pockets of excellence. Uh, you might have that third grade team or that second grade teacher uh, or uh, in a high school, a particular subject area team where you're seeing a lot of great success happening, great teaching and learning. And then you may have those other classrooms where it's not quite at that level. And one huge role of the leader is to take that success that's happening in those pockets and help create the conditions to take that to scale. And you know, the standards were written and all of the work that we do at Learning Forward is really about how do you bring effective practice uh, in schools to scale uh, in ways that touch children uh, and help them become successful. So that's among all the things that a leader does, it's really creating that environment. So when it comes to the standards, you know, the, the learning community standard, which uh, has some very specific ideas about how teachers can uh, sort of assume collective responsibility for, mm -hmm. for all their students, 
how they can interact with each other in ways that really lead to implementation of new ideas and concepts. And the leader is the one who creates the kind of conditions that enable that to happen. So working with other teacher leaders and members of her or his leadership team to find the time for learning communities to meet, uh, setting the tone and helping develop a culture in a building uh, so that those teams are focused on the important work. Uh, and not just the time resource, but also the resource of making sure that the right folks are on the bus and mm -hmm. on those teams uh, and facilitating mm -hmm. those conversations. And then where necessary, helping allocate the dollars and cents that allow uh, for those conversations uh, to happen. So it's, it's a lot of pieces to it, but as I, where I started, it's about creating the conditions for effective teaching and learning, as well as creating the conditions for effective professional learning. So what are the keys to those? Again, bringing that to life as you know, you've so, been working with people. Uh, what are the two or three big rocks? that? So Yeah, and so the, the first one that I mentioned just a bit ago was time. Okay. Uh, we hear all the time that there's just not enough time to do the kind of professional learning that we advocate for uh, through the standards. Mm -hmm. And we... When we hear that, we remind folks that, oh, yes, there is time and that districts and schools across this country and on our friends uh, in Canada as well have found the time by thinking differently about how to use the time they have. Mm -hmm. And when you start to look at your school schedule and anyone who's had any responsibility with the <laughs> master schedule knows uh, it, it is a daunting task uh, to try to find time, not just for uh, teaching and learning to happen, uh, but find common planning time so that teams can come together as part of the school day uh, and think about their practice. Mm -hmm. And so we know that it can be done. As a matter of fact, on the Learning Forward website, uh, on the main page under the link of Common Core, uh, is a document that came out of the work uh, that we did in Kentucky that explored the concept of finding time for professional learning. And in that document are some very specific uh, tools and uh, facilitated conversation templates that can help a school team really think about their existing time and think about how they might utilize that differently. So that's one uh, that I'll offer as a very specific thing that is necessary. Because, again, if people feel they don't have the time to come together, then it's mm -hmm. the the idea of engaging in standards-aligned professional learning just seemed daunting. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing I would say is, does a school have, uh, in a district, have a clear picture of what effective practice looks like? Mm. You know, part of the outcome standard is getting clarity on what outcomes do you expect for teacher practice as well as student learning. Yeah. And so if we focus just on the teacher practice for a second, uh, is there general agreement on what effective teaching looks like within the areas uh, that are a part of a school's curriculum? And if not, it's very difficult to for the leader as, at the school level as well as the district level uh, to engage in conversations around professional learning because the question is professional learning to support what type of teaching. <laughs> right. uh, and so you those kind of conversations become really important uh, and having that uh, understanding what effective teaching looks like becomes really important. You know, I, I reflect on for a moment the the work that the Wallace Foundation has done 
uh, supporting a leadership pipeline. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things that's part of that pipeline is defined effective leadership practices aligned to either, in the leadership case, the ISLA standards mm -hmm. or standards that have been defined by the state and or district so that we know what type of practice it is that we're trying to support and bring to scale. So that becomes a key also. You know, a key to that, there's um, maybe two branches off of that. One of them, what's the framework of effective instructional practice? And then maybe there's an uh, effective, right, leadership practice. I oh, guess. absolutely. Because uh, some districts, I think they have an instructional framework mm -hmm. and that they've worked hard to, to agree upon and they're, they, they're proud of that. Uh, then, then maybe the next step is then what, what does a leadership framework, effective leadership look yeah, like? Absolutely. You know, the, uh, when you think about the teaching frameworks, uh, mm -hmm. obviously there are some like the Danielson mm -hmm. motto and mm -hmm. others uh, right. that uh, districts have that are now using and, and, and teachers are engaged in conversations around how to implement components of those frameworks. Mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned districts develop their own. Uh, you have in-task standards and other standards that define effective teaching practice. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have those models in place that uh, districts are using to help them think about uh, their effective teaching practice. And then the same, as you mentioned, for leadership practice. Yeah. You know, I think about the ISLIT standards, which define what effective leadership practice looks like. And those standards have been, uh, are currently being refreshed. Uh, even as we speak, by a team of folks that are connected to the Wallace Foundation and CCSSO. And at the same time, there are new standards being written for principal supervisors. Mm -hmm. In all cases, they give people a very good sense of, it's a starting point for a local conversation mm -hmm. around, so how are we defining effective practice mm -hmm. And we'll begin by looking at the documents that have been done for us uh, by these national uh, organizations. And that's and, really why we want standards, isn't it? It's one of oh, the reasons we want standards is is that a common vocabulary. Absolutely. You know, and, and so you have standards, and then you also have definitions uh, that, that help define and create clarity mm -hmm. in terms of uh, language. One of the districts we've had the pleasure uh, of partnering with is Fort Wayne, Indiana. And the work in Fort Wayne was focused largely on leadership uh, and helping the central office in that district support the work of principals and their leadership teams. The first part of that work was around the district developing its own definition of a leadership. Wow. So when they say the words leadership, what do they mean mm -hmm. in that district? Now, of mm -hmm. course, informing that conversation were the ISLIC standards mm -hmm. uh, and other frameworks. Same for professional learning, uh, developing their own local definition of professional learning, which was which built or was uh, framed and, uh, and informed in a large part by the standards for professional learning from learning forward. But the district had to make them their own. When you talk about the role of that principal again, when you worked with that district, uh, what were some ahas that came out of that, of the leadership for the principals? 
Uh, it's interesting in, in this district. Fort Wayne is not like, unlike many other districts where uh, principals are working very hard. Uh, they have their leadership teams in place. Uh, in Fort Wayne, they are called quality improvement teams or QITs. Mm-hmm. And their work is informed by a large part by the, uh, the school improvement planning process mm-hmm. uh, that, this, that the district has laid out. You mentioned earlier the importance of having a common vocabulary. When we worked with the, the uh, Fort Wayne Central Office Cabinet and other members of the Central Office team, they began to develop and deepen their understanding of the standards for professional learning. The idea was, or the big question was, how do you take that conversation to the schools? And in the case of that district, they decided to form a team of core principals who would come together and deepen their own understanding of the standards, uh, of their leadership approach, and other aspects of the work that they were doing. And as the central office and that core group of principals began to understand sort of the challenges and opportunities for deepening that understanding of that work. It gave the whole team a sense of what it would take to take that work to scale throughout the rest of the district because these lead principals or members of this team uh, gave us a strong sense of how other principals in the district might react to uh, Mm -hmm. some of the learning that was being planned for the year. Mm But we also learned that principals really value professional learning that's facilitated by their colleagues, hmm. because when they saw their fellow principals leading the conversations, mm-hmm. A, they recognized that these just weren't people who didn't understand <laughs> their work and their lives uh, facilitating a discussion. These were people who got it because they're living it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a, a big aha for us. Uh, and, and doing that work, and certainly a big aha for the folks there locally in Fort Wayne. Yeah. It's critical, I believe, uh, that people see their own people taking the lead uh, in any sort of facilitated conversation. Even though uh, Learning Forward is a partner in the work, we want to make sure that the district truly sees the work as their own, mm-hmm. and certainly not something that's being imposed upon them by some external organization. Right. That ownership is just so important. Oh, yes, absolutely. When we go back to that role of the principal, you said one of the things that uh, that principal wants or wants is to find that time. It kind of reminded me of, of when we talk about schools, there's a balance or there's a both and, I guess, of structure and culture. I've seen districts who have provided the culture of continuous improvement but didn't get around to working on the structure (laughs) Mm -hmm. and other districts that implemented a structure right away without a culture of continuous improvement. Mm, Interesting, yeah. So that's probably that so critical role of the principal again of blending those and and leading those. You know, one of the uh, activities that we do in, in, in sessions particularly the sessions in the become, when I'm facilitating around the Becoming a Learning System, mm-hmm. is we start by looking at just a collection of dot or circles with lines drawn in between the circles and different arrangements. <laughs> yes. And throw about four different ones on the screen and say, which one of these best represents how learning is structured in your environment? Mm-hmm. And 
because those things are not connected to positions, and mm-hmm. uh, it's very non-threatening to have that conversation when you're just talking about some circles and lines, it's really fascinating to hear people talk through the structures that they, uh, that they have in their own locations and how they align to some of the examples that we have on the screen. Because, A, uh, <laughs> there are lots of folks who hadn't even thought about Yes, that's what I was going to ask you. Have they even thought about? Yeah, it's like, wow, that's a great question. Never thought about it, but now Uh this gives me a chance to really think about. And and what that just tells you is so often learning uh, is is just one of those things that is left to chance how it's going (laughs) to actually happen uh, in a school. Right. Uh, there's no overall plan uh, in, in, in places mm-hmm. uh, that haven't thought about learning design or mm-hmm. other aspects of the standards uh, for professional learning. But even in places where they are thinking along those lines, uh, thinking about it at the school level and then, of course, across the entire district just creates mm-hmm. some very interesting conversation. Uh, and then you're absolutely right, then the, the culture piece. And there's always that question of, you know, so how do you get there? Uh, and I love in the video that was done uh, on Fort Wayne, mm. uh, it, the superintendent, Wendy Robinson, said she had to begin to think about the district culture and starting with herself. Mm. And she made it uh, a mission of her, you know, her own practice to make sure that she modeled at the central office the kinds of things that she was asking schools to do which meant they had their own learning community Mm -hmm. uh, as outlined by the standards. Uh, They had their own conversations both internally and across departments. Mm -hmm. And she was one who was distributing leadership in ways that allowed uh, the leadership at that central office level uh, to really uh, take ownership of their learning as well as the learning and support the learning that was happening in schools. So both of those are I could not agree more, so important. And it's a balancing act. It is. Because sometimes you have to put the structures in place, (laughs) give people a chance to exercise those muscles, Mm -hmm. uh, and through that, you start to change uh, belief systems and that culture starts to evolve. You take a journey by walking the first step. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Um, So that you talked a little bit about this because we know that that, Building principle is so critical, but what what is the role of the central office? Or as we look at a system, whether it's a small rural rural district in Kansas that has probably one superintendent and one principal, or Fort Wayne or Dallas, uh, what's the role of the the central office in creating this uh, energy and a focus on continuous improvement and bring, as you like to say, bringing the standards to life? Well, I'll, give, I'll, I'll start by giving an example. Uh, so for a school that is focused on learning and principals are in classrooms observing instruction, uh, teachers are sharing uh, responsibility for a, collection, or a group of students, they're visiting each other's classrooms. When you have this sort of learning environment, uh, it's not always easy for the person at central office who's used to picking up a phone and calling the principal and having that person either on the phone immediately or down in the central office for a quick conversation. It doesn't happen as quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the culture shift at central office is really important as well because 
uh, folks there, be it the superintendent or anyone else, would know that, oh, this is, during, this is the instructional day and principals are supporting instruction. I have to think differently about how I communicate mm -hmm. with, my, uh, with our building principals with that in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge shift for many central offices. Uh, but another shift is, you know, going back to what we said before, if, t if principals create the conditions for effective teaching and learning uh, at scale in buildings, then it's up to central office to do the same across buildings and throughout the district. And that means thinking differently about the, the structures around uh, scheduling so that they give principals the tools that they need in order to create schedules that allow for common planning time, et cetera, and also thinking differently about the, the calendar year and how professional learning is integrated into the school day for t uh, folks across the district. You know, it means uh, thinking very creatively and systematically around how do we coach and support principals uh, in that work. So uh, developing their own capacity as coaches for principals so that uh, we can ask the right questions and mm -hmm. help principals develop their own understandings around how to su support the work that's happening in their schools. Uh, it means allowing principals or encouraging principals to create their own learning communities mm -hmm. across schools so that principals can talk to each other uh, and learn each other's best practices in the same way that the learning community standards ask teachers to consider visiting each other's classrooms. Right. Uh, and creating the culture where you can ask questions and uh, you're, you know, one of, the, one of the challenges for a new teacher and a new principal or anyone who's in that work is you want to make sure you appear like you know what you're doing. Yes. That's, that's really important, right? Yes. Uh, so, but the downside of that is um, you feel like you can't make a mistake mm -hmm. uh, or that you can't ask for help when you need it if you feel that such a request uh, might cause people to think you're weak or that you don't have information that you should have. Mm -hmm. And we have to change that culture in schools as well. I mean, obviously, we don't want any of our principals or teachers uh, causing harm uh, or having mistakes that are sure. detrimental to children in any sort of way. But at the same time, we want people to feel that, especially during those early years, uh, they can be vulnerable, they can ask questions, they can uh, seek help when they need it. And the culture of the district is, hey, we're here to support you in every way, whichever way we can. That's an interesting um, balance again, isn't it? Because we want um, to be a system, not uh, silos of buildings because there's an equity issue. So it looks like what you were talking about earlier, we want to establish those non-negotiables probably as a system, what our beliefs are about learning, our beliefs are about those oh, yeah. kind of things. And then within that, buildings work their magic. Absolutely. You look at districts that have a district-wide vision uh, and uh, their, their, their mission is clear, uh, but each school has its own various demographic groups and mm -hmm. cultures, mm -hmm. et cetera. Right. Uh, but we're all driving towards excellence and the district has defined what that looks like uh, right. at the system level. I've always said that we all want to get to Denver. There's just lots of ways to get there. But if we don't know we're going to Denver... Uh, might end up in Dallas. 
right? And some people don't, or, you know, it's, it's so crucial to know, A, that you're actually on a trip. Yes. <laughs> so yes. That, that becomes important. And then where you're going becomes uh, just as important. That's true. I think uh, you've been a part of writing a new book that I actually read last night. Uh, oh, wow. I know. I want to talk to you about page 134. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's excellent. Talk to us again. It's Becoming a Learning System. So just to give our, our reader, our listeners a little bit of a taste of that, why might they want to become a learning system? And how might this uh, wonderful book help them? Yeah, the, the, the Becoming a Learning School which was a book that was written several years back yes. uh, and based on a lot of work that was happening in New Jersey and other places, uh, was, a, has, was such a great resource and continues to be a great resource for schools. Mm -hmm. Schools that privilege learning for adults as much as learning for students. Mm -hmm. Schools that recognize that in order for adults to be their best uh, and, and create teaching and learning environments that are going to be the best for children, they need to be at the top of their game. And that means deepening their own knowledge, their own skills, which we're defining as the application of that knowledge, and their own uh, sort of belief systems around uh, the work and the ability of students to perform uh, that work. And so that book has been well received. The question that we began to ask ourselves is, as we look at schools that are truly learning schools, how do we make sure that in a district that has multiple schools, that those kinds of environments are happening across the system? And how do we make sure that the <coughs> central office has this, uh, the capacity to support learning schools uh, in ways that bring about the effective practice at scale throughout the entire district? Mm -hmm. And so that was at the core of the Becoming a Learning System book, the recognition that so much of the work that happens in schools is informed and supported by the district, the central office, the superintendent or the CEO of the district, and all those players at the central office level who support what's happening in schools. And then we recognized that there were so many components mm -hmm. uh, of the system. So whereas uh, the first part of the book outlines the vision for a learning system uh, and answers a lot of the questions around sort of the basics of professional learning, uh, the second part of the book starts to think about, so what does leadership look like at the school level? Mm -hmm. What does it look like at the district level? Uh, what is the role of a school board? What are the roles of all the folks who support <laughs> that work? And I'm reminded of a, a school board meeting that I had a chance to uh, participate in in Fort Wayne just recently, where we were talking about the book, and we were also talking about the work uh, that we've been doing in Fort Wayne. And that school board was very interested uh, in being a part of that conversation, very interested in thinking about, so what is their policy role and what is, uh, you know, what else can they do to support mm -hmm. uh, effective practice yes. as part of a school board? And then the final part of the book is really just looking at the components of the learning system, the, you know, the issues of building trust, developing a learning agenda, and, you know, all those things that we know that if we do them well, uh, we can, we're more likely to uh, find ourselves in a, a learning system at the district level uh, than we would if we would just let those things uh, happen by chance. Right. Well, I, uh, it was a great read last night, and I'm going to dig deeper into it. But 
much. Thank you all for all your work and, and putting that together because it is systems. As you said earlier, we can have silos of excellence in buildings. We can have silos of excellence in districts if we don't have a system that connects all the dots. Absolutely. And I thank you for taking a look at the book. I mean, our co-authors, uh, Stephanie Harris, our executive director, and Kay Penzik, one of our uh, senior consultants with Learning Forward, we, we live this work. We I know. about this all the time. So it really gave us an opportunity to pull it all together. And I would say the strongest part of the book, although the ideas and concepts are, are wonderful, the tools that mm -hmm. are throughout the book that give people what they need at the moment they're thinking about the ideas. Yes. And they can use these tools to actually work through some of those ideas or facilitate conversations around some of the ideas. I think that's one of the things that makes the book uh, and, and all of the books uh, that we tend to do very different is because you have access to the tools that can help you explore the ideas more further. I totally agree. Whether it's TPL2 or whatever, it's, it's a framework, not a recipe. And so it's easy. It's a joy to dig in and, and make it happen. I love it. Good stuff. And we're excited that it's out. I, I will tell you, we it's one of those books, you know, when you're in the midst of writing or even waiting for uh, something like this to come out, it just seems like it's taken forever. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're proud of the product and glad that it's in, in, in the hands of folks who will put it to use. Well, I think we've given our listeners a lot to think about today. It's, you've given me a lot to think about, and I always like that. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, do you have any last words of wisdom or takeaway from our conversation? Well, the last thing I'll say is something I, I, I recall saying in the, the video that we did in Fort Wayne, and that's the way we think about this work and certainly the way that it's always going through my mind. We know that in any classroom or any school or district across this country, there could be that one child who has an idea that might actually change the world uh, for the better. And it's our job as educators to create the environments where those ideas have a chance to come to life. And we know in the work that we do uh, around professional learning, it, it, it makes that even more likely uh, that those ideas will have a chance because kids across the country will be engaged in effective teaching environments uh, that allow them to shine. So. We're excited about the work that we do. I really appreciate the conversation and the opportunity to talk about it because, as you know, we're passionate. Yes. You probably can't tell that, but we're passionate about this stuff. Yes. <laughs> and so it's, it's good to have this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Okay. Thank too. you. You're listening to this podcast on Remarkable Chatter, part of the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find out more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.